All right, wonderful, Jesus. Do we have a, our PowerPoint all good to go? All right, let's, let's beam that PowerPoint up and see what it says first, the first thing. Grace, everyone say grace. grace. Once again, I, I don't have my fake readers on, so I can't appear smarter than I am. You'll have to adjust for this appearance. Um, on Sunday, we, oh, 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 I'm, my coffee cup, where did I put it? I knew something was missing. Check. Austin, take a hard left. Take a hard left. You know what I'm talking about? Hard left. <laughs> All right. No, it's not any of that. I just, there, hey. Hey, you remember? It's like old times. Old times. Back in the day, he used to do this as things began. Thank you so much. All right, so grace, understanding and experiencing grace. Would you say it out loud with me? Understanding and experiencing grace. Uh, on Sunday, we began the book of Philippians, and we, the, I believe the culminating expression that, uh, of our passage on Sunday is, is that initial statement from Paul to the Philippian church, grace to you. And... Um, uh, I felt like it was important to emphasize, and I, it, it, it really affected me, and I've been meditating on it, and I thought, you know, I, I think we should camp on that at least for as long as we need to, and we'll do it on Wednesdays. And so we're going we're gonna to see if we can understand and, ex and experience grace more. How many believe that we can expand our ability, our capacity to understand grace and experience it, and, and, and the rationale for it, and that's the, the, always the beginning part of any you know, dissertation proposal is the rationale. So, that, so we have to, why are we, what's the rationale for this? Well, the rationale for understanding and experiencing grace will actually become more and more clear as we understand and experience grace. We'll just, I think we'll see how significant it is. Uh, and so and I'm even, my, even our approach might be a little different. It's going to be fun. Are you, well, I hope it's always fun. But uh, so I have my giant New King James Bible. So I look of even very, very holy. All right. And uh, someone said grace to you. Grace. I'm just, I am, I have, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I don't want to hide anything from you. Um, I have been, I, I feel like the, it's an invitation from the Lord, from the spirit of the Lord to, to say, son, I want you to lean in. I want you to lean in and get this more for you and for how, how you live and for those that you serve and kind of for everything. And so I'm, I'm on this mission to, uh, to lean into to grace. And uh, so I'm asking you to, to join me wouldn't it be wonderful if we all understood and experienced and expressed grace more? Yeah. And I think that we'll, and I think that, I mean, I'm glad you said yes, but I think that we'll say yes even more robustly the more we walk through this. I really think that the more we walk through this, the more we're gonna be like, whoa, this is amazing. And I wanna, well, let me get the definitions out there because we're not talking about a fourth ethereal thing out there. This is, we're talking about the very, the very presence of God himself. So what is, what is grace? So here's the, the first definition there. 
Uh, and it's, it's one definition, but it, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna squeeze on it in just a minute, okay? So grace is the goodwill of God toward us. Someone say toward us. It's the good goodwill. I know we unmerited favor. What does that mean? Goodwill. Okay, goodwill. I just want you to say it out loud, goodwill. Grace is the goodwill of God toward us and its effect upon us. His grace comes toward us and it, and it doesn't come to us without effect. Okay, so it's the grace of God toward us, it's goodwill toward us, it's effect on us and it's expression through us. Toward us, upon us, and through us. I'd love you to say it out loud. Toward us, upon us, through us. This is how, this is the flow, the dimensions of grace. Toward us, upon us, and through us. Through us, let me just pause and say, through us, meaning that his grace toward us makes us gracious. Someone say gracious. I remember talking with my Aunt Pat some years ago, and she said, you know, it's my dad's sister, and, I'm sure, and she said a lot of wonderful things, and she says a lot of cool things. Um, for instance, I don't know if you know this, Dad, but if you ever say to your sister, if you finish a sentence or a thought with, you know what I mean? She'll say, well, no, dear, I'm sure I don't, because that is not a, a good way to end a thought with Aunt Pat. She won't let you say, you know what I mean. She wants you to say what you mean. So she'll say, well, no, dear, I'm sure I don't. And I just love her for it. Um, uh, uh, But uh, one of the things that she, I remember her talking to me years ago was about, she said, I just, she said, she just felt like there was a, a, a loss or a famine or an absence of people knowing how to be gracious. And I, and I remember hearing about it and thought, well, that's interesting. And it kind of just sat there. But then as I've been looking at this and considering this, I'm remembering what that means. What does it mean to be gracious? What is grace? What does it mean that when grace is in my life for me to practice, for me to be a grace giver? Well, I'll say it on the front side and hopefully we'll come back and say it again. I believe that being gracious is sort of a combination of all these things. It's goodwill. It's, the, it's, it's expressing yourself in goodwill, but it looks like grace is gentle. It is joyful. It is grateful and it is generous. And what's wonderful is all those begin with a just sound or a gus sound, okay? Gentle, joyful, grateful, generous. And, and I don't know if you have, if, if, you are, if your spiritual formation has a bit of neuroses like mine does, but I tend to repeat things to myself. And I'll say in prayer, Lord, I thank you. I thank you that I, that I am full of grace and that I am joyful and gentle, and grateful, and generous. And I think about that's, the, that's how grace ex- should be expressing itself through my life. Gentle, joyful, grateful, generous. And, but here's what's beautiful is, when we, as, I, as I was looking through the, the, the whole text of Scripture, most of the occurrences of the word or the idea of gracious uh, in the text, they refer to God exercising or expressing grace to us. All, very rarely are people described as gracious, they're once or twice implored to be gracious, few times, but most of the time that gracious, the concept of gracious is our, our model is the Lord. So grace is the goodwill of God toward us. It's effect upon us and, and it's expression through us. Now, the grace of God, this is the second thing, the same, same concept, but that goodwill, 
that goodwill, the grace of God is ultimately revealed by and openly availed to us through Jesus Christ. So the, the ultimate expression of God's grace and that great and the and and the and the and the open availability of grace to us has come through Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, and then it is the the, the grace of God is then communicated to us. And this is a this is a little theological ethereal, but we need to just un, this is a fact, fact, fact. The grace of God is communicated to us by his spirit. Whatever God is going to do to us, on us, through us, with us, he does by his spirit. It is his spirit that is working in our midst. So if the grace of God is going to come toward us, on us, and through us, it's going to be by his spirit, the spirit of grace. Okay, so those are our big ideas. Grace is the goodwill of God toward us, upon us, through us, availed in Christ, open to us in Jesus, and communicated, working in our life by his spirit. Everybody say, I got it. Even if you don't, you're going to continue to got it because we're going to keep that definition on the screen. All right. So now, having said that, this is sort of the thing. Having said that, let's take a let's walk through the text. Uh, what did I what did I say in my notes here? Uh, exploration. I said the word safari, but I, I remember telling my the students in in Ghana not to make their sermons a safari. And that wasn't an Africa joke. Uh, I just told them they need to have a point and not just go for a walk. Because um, uh, I said, you do that and then you confuse and frighten people because they, they don't know where it's going or if it's ever going to end. Uh, so, but we are going to look at it biblically, basically this. It might, we might say a biblical theology of grace or a New Testament theology of grace. And we'll do that by beginning in the beginning. We'll start, when you do a biblical theology, you start at the beginning of a canonical point and move forward and see how that concept is understood, sometimes progressively, but oftentimes just comprehensively. Whew. If you didn't know that that was really good, you should tell your neighbor, whatever he just said, that was really good. Okay, yeah, that was really good. All right, so let's begin. Where do we, be, where do we first begin to hear about grace in the New Testament? Correct, but canonically, Luke, okay? So Luke's gonna come before, just, in, okay. So here we go. So let's start with Luke. Are you ready? So what's fun, how many love fun things? Okay, so for the three of you that do, <laughs> is this, that uh, the word grace, charis, okay, is used more in the text than you read it in your English versions, and if we will read it as grace, I think it's more, more fun, more exciting, more, it's more, more affecting to me. Oh, wait a minute. I'm seeing this as like great. We said Sunday, and we'll say it again. Grace is, is the core of our Christianity, and therefore it's the core of a Christian attitude. The core of Christian living is grace. Grace is God's goodwill toward us, upon us, expressing through us, availed in Jesus, communicated to us by the Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? Don't you love things that make sense? I do. We love systematic theology. Oh, it just makes sense. All right, so here we go. So let's begin in the book of Luke. It's a, let's begin in the very beginning, a very good place to start. So let's say, <laughs> giant Bible, turning pages, Luke chapter one, and uh, hang on, let's, where do I put my, oh, hang on. Even more important, 
gold pen. All right, so uh, Luke chapter 1 and verse 30. Are you ready to find it? Here it is. Oh, Merry Christmas. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. How do our friends uh, in <laughs> how do our friends uh, across the Mediterranean say that verse? Hail Mary, full of right, full of grace, which is we which was we say highly favored. It doesn't mean that she was the source of grace. That the, the better translation isn't you're full of grace at the, yet anyway. It wasn't that she was the source or the origin of grace. It was that there was a lot of grace on her. Now how come our Bible say favor? Probably because the Protestants got nervous. <laughs> Probably they got nervous and said, well, well we can't put grace or we're gonna, get, we're gonna get in trouble. But it is. What he asks, here's the deal. Hail Mary, oh, not, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found grace with God. Ooh, I hope that you begin to feel that in your happies, right? You have found grace. It's the same word. It's charis. You found grace with God. How many are glad that you found grace with God? Don't be, how many, listen, doesn't that, did you hear the, the angel? I know we say angels don't preach the gospel, but they do sometimes. Here, here's what he just said. Don't be afraid, you found grace with God. How many, you should have a good night already. You should already be feeling better about your life. Don't be afraid. You found grace with God. That's how this whole thing starts. That's how, uh, before we even hear the name Jesus, that's where he's coming from. Availed to us, openly to us. Grace, favor, this is God. So if we were looking at our definition, we already see, ah, this is goodwill toward Mary. Mary, you, there is the goodwill of God has been extended to you. Whew. And that's wonderful. We're very excited about it. Okay, so we see that. There's, there's, here it is. We're just gonna keep going. Uh, Luke chapter two and verse 40. Now, well, well 39. Now Mary, am I, am, I, am I doing okay here? Well, what in the beans? No, I'm not. My Bible's, there's a lot of, Luke is a big book. All right, so uh, here we go. Uh, keep going. So this is now Jesus. So when they had performed all the things according to law, 39, they returned to Galilee in their own city of Nazareth, and the child grew, verse 40, and the child grew, wonderful, became strong in spirit, wonderful, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was so, again, we see the good, it's the goodwill of God toward us and upon us. It's upon it's affecting us. So God's favor is resting on Jesus as he's growing. That's exciting. How many want that for you? How many want that for your kids? How many think, oh, this is important. This is good. Grace is good. And God has it for us. God has it for us and wants to give it to us. Remember Paul, grace to you from God our Father. This is for us. Wow, wonderful. Okay, keep going. Look, we're still in two and we can go down to, we'll start at 51, the pericope there. And when he went, uh, he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them because remember he had disappeared for a while, but his mother kept all these things in her heart. By the way, have we talked about that out loud? But his mother kept these things in her heart. Have we talked about the significance of that sentence just for the fun of it? Anybody? Anybody? Bueller? Bueller? Anyone? This is the second time in Luke that we have heard and Mary kept these things or treasured these things in her heart. If she treasured their, these things in her heart, how, how do we know about them? Rick's giving it all away. Yeah, Luke, we, it's, it's, it's fun to call, in, in particular, the first part of Luke, the Gospel of Mary. Not that Mary is the primary author, but we know that Luke interviews people. 
And what we can pretty much know is these details that Luke gives us are things that only Mary could have known and felt. So that's pretty cool. That's just for fun. All right. Uh, but now his mother kept all these things in heart. Verse 50. Two, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor or grace. He, incre- he increased in grace with God and man. So there was a favor. So if grace is, is goodwill, so you can have goodwill from others. So that's fine and great. But Jesus himself increased. There was an increase in grace on his life. He increased his capacity to experience grace. Jesus did. So how about Yeah, isn't that wonderful? We can, therefore we should open ourselves to it. Wonderful, all right. So there's more, so there's more. We're doing great. I told you, we're just gonna go on an exploration and as we see it in the text, it should help us understand it and enlarge or increase our experience. Okay, verse, uh, chapter four, verse 22. That all it says is this, is that now it's not a great, it's not a great season in Jesus' life. Uh, he's, at the, he's at the synagogue there in Nazareth and they're, not too, they're none too happy. And he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant. He sat down in the eyes of all and he says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing and they're all bore witness to him. They marveled at what? The gracious words which proceeded from his mouth. So what the kinds of things, if, if, if we're understanding grace as goodwill in general, then what Jesus is saying as he is speaking, it's, it is good. Goodness is literally coming out of his mouth. It's, there's a sense of goodness and they're, they're sensing good. They understand it's good. It's virtuous. This is how we should talk. Right away, ah, grace can, should be on our mouth. And even if people are, listen, this crowd is not a big fan of Jesus. They're about to try to throw him off a cliff. And yet, how is he speaking to them? Graciously. So now what about us? What about the world that we live in? Do you think that there aren't people that would rather just throw the whole church off the cliff? Do we live in a, it has, the, the, the church has always existed in some state of animosity with somebody somewhere to different levels, of, uh, levels and degree. And yet in the midst of it, we are people with grace on our lips. Come on, we are people with grace on our lips. We speak and, and what happens is people feel the goodness of God. Woo, that's fun. Oh, but there's more. There's so much more. It's so much more fun. Are you ready? Now, let's go to this. This, I think, might be the most fun we're going to have all night. Are you ready? So here we have Luke chapter 6. Now, Luke chapter 6 is Luke's version or translation of or arrangement of or his part in telling what we would have called the Sermon on the Mount and Luke's the Sermon on the Plains. People think it's a dichotomy or a discrepancy. It's not. It's probably just actually Jesus said more than one thing at one place at one time. So here he is. Jesus is speaking, and we begin with you know, the blesseds and all of that. Uh, we get down to verse 27 of chapter 6. Some of you may have heard this, and again, I'm reading from the New King James. So let me just read the fun part, and then let's, let's hear it even more fun. You ready? But I say to you who hear, anybody hear? Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. Heads up, spoiler alert, what do you think he is actually describing? Grace. He's describing a life of grace. This is what grace looks like. Now, you might say, oh, you prove it, Dr. Dev. Well, 
I'm happy to do so. To him who strikes you on one cheek, turn him the other. And to him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, don't, don't, try to ask, don't ask him back. And verse uh, 31, and just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise, or do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That is grace. The grace takes the initiative. It's a preemptive, kind, uh, it's a preemptive strike of kindness. Grace is preemptive. It's, it, it initiates the kindness. It doesn't wait and see how you're going to... It, it sets the thermostat. Okay, you ready for this? Verse 32, how many of you heard this before? But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? You heard that before? What does your Bible say? Does it say what, what thank have ye or what, what thanks do you have? Something like that maybe? Anything else? Would anybody else have a different word other than credit? What benefit? Ooh, ooh. Benefit? Benefits a little better, but credit sounds like I got to earn something. It's like I get something. But do you know what the text says? You know what it says, don't you? Why do the translators do this? I don't know. Here's what it says. But if you love those who love you, what grace is that? That's what it says. If you love those who love you, how is that grace? Come on, don't tell me that's not awesome. I've been in church for a minute and never knew it said that. And now I get it. It's not, Jesus isn't just saying, oh, what's the big deal? Or uh, my, my father-in-law used to always say, well, what thank have ye? He always used to say, like, if you did what you're supposed to do, he'd say that. Well, what thank have ye? But uh, and, and he, he's not just saying, well, don't expect to be thanked. He's saying, if you only love those who love you, then you aren't walking in grace. What? So go ahead and get your pen out, and whatever you have word in there, go ahead and underline it and know that it is the word charis. It is 100% the word grace. Why it's not used that way, go figure. Maybe I should write a dissertation, but I won't. But, you, but if you love those who love you, how is that grace? For even sinners, uh-oh, there it is. For even sinners love those who love them. People who are functioning outside of grace do that. Holy Moses, this is fun. Oh, but it's not done yet. Verse 33, and if you do good to those who do good to you, what's your Bible say? What credit is that? What benefit is that? But what's Jesus actually say? How, he said, what grace is that? How is that grace? How is that grace? For even sinners do the same. Verse 34, and if Jesus has it, don't you love Jesus just drilling it in, okay? And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what, what grace is that? What grace is that? Holy Moses, he's, but he's, he's building toward an argument here and you're gonna hear it. For even sinners lend to sinners and receive as much back. You know, that's true, Okay. But here it is, verse 35 harkens back to verse 27. These are the, so bookends, bookend imperatives of what grace looks like. You ready? Here it is again. But love your enemies. Why? Because that is, very good. Thank you in the back. Love your enemies because that is, <laughs> I'm not feeling the momentum in the room. I'm not feeling the enthusiasm. This is exciting. Don't you love the Bible? I love it. Yeah, but, but love your enemies because that's grace. Do good because that's grace. Lend because that's grace. 
hoping for nothing in return because that's and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the most high what why will you why will acting like that make you like him that's how he is because he is ah for there it is for he is uh-oh kind to the unthankful oh what do you think that says he's gracious to the ungracious that's what it says <laughs> i love this jesus it makes so much the old, keeping all of the language central makes it so much more challenging and piercing and wonderful and frustrating at the same time be gracious. This is what grace looks like. Do this, 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 this. Oh my word, are you kidding me? He's calling us to this life of grace, which is absolutely impossible outside of the, his Holy Spirit communicating this grace to us, right? We, it's, it's absolutely, absolutely uh, contrary to every carnal impulse we have, and yet Jesus is inviting us to receive a grace from God who is gracious to us and have that grace come into our lives in a transforming way that it becomes uh, how we live. So you, we, we love our enemies and we do good to those who would seek to do us harm and we give, we're, oh, that sounds like grace is gentle and joyful and grateful and generous and good. <laughs> I should have put that in there. It's just good. And here's what it says. He is kind to the unthankful. That's not, that's not a bad translation. It, it's true. But the rudimentary words here are, are all grace. He is gracious to the ungracious. But, and so, by the way, parenthetically, it is ungracious to be unthankful. We've talked about that. We've talked about how ingratitude is just entitlement and how it's stinky and gross. But he is kind. He is gracious to the ungracious. He is gracious to the ungracious. So how many of you have ever in this room, and I know some of you already told me, how many of you in this, in this room have ever thought, well, I just don't deserve his grace? I don't deserve his favor. I don't deserve the Lord's kindness. I don't deserve the things. Have you ever you've done the, either the external or internal dialogue? Anybody want to actually raise their hands so their friends know they're the same? Are you kidding me, Michael? Really? You're not going to raise your hand? You're the one I'm talking about. Raise your hand, okay? I'm calling you out, okay? He's like, not me. Oh, come on. Everybody else raise their hands so you know. Come on, lift up your hand if you've ever had one of those... There it is, Michael. All right, okay. By the way, you know, if you've been here a minute, I love to call out Michael. He's a wonderful guy. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. If you say, well, I don't deserve it. Right. So moving right along, you don't. But we have a God who is gracious to the ungracious. He, is, he initiated it. He started it. He is, the, he is the grace giver. We are the grace receivers and then are transformed by that grace and become partners with grace giving. I love this so much, so much. He is, you will be sons of the most high. How? Because he is so gracious to those who are not. Wow. And if he is, so can we. Because he supplies his grace to us, he communicates this by the Spirit. Okay, oh, it's only 8 o'clock, and we've already gone through the book of Luke. Isn't that wonderful? But, but wait, there's more. Okay, you asked for it, Tina. Let's do it. All right. Let's just go to the book of John. How about that? Should we fast forward, just go to the book of John a little bit? Okay. 
So, the, so, the, so John introduces Jesus using this phrase, and it's part of, he, it's part of his, new, his new creation motif. Well, let's just go there. I'll turn it. It's at the next, not that far. We can do that. My, my giant Bible pages feel like Raiders of the Lost Ark up here. Okay. Uh, okay. You got your pens ready? Okay, so this is the, John 1 is, you know, now you know John 1 is just, you know, everybody always says, you've heard this probably, you've been in church for a minute, if a person is born again, a new Christian, you give them the book of John because it's easily digestible, it makes sense, all that. It's all true, someone say it's all true. Also, if you've been a Christian for 75 years and you want to just dive deep into like layers of poetry and meaning and tapestry and, and symbolism, also read the book of John. It's absolutely fantastic. John just has all these little buried things in there, layers of meaning, and you can just sit there and go, whoa, it's pretty amazing. For instance, you can read the John 1 and go, wow, and not realize that he has started off with the beginning, and, he is, and his narrative begins with six days, just like the days of creation. It's fantastic. Anyway, so anyway, here we go. But So he's talking about, uh, there was a man, John, that's not him. He was not the light. He was not the light. The, the light that's the true light, which gives light, comes into the world. Verse 10, he is in the world. The world was made through him. The world did not know him. He came to his own. His own didn't receive him, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right, the exousia, to become children of God. Someone said, Amen. Okay, that's all great. To those who believe in him, his name. Those who were born out of blood, the will of flesh. And the word became flesh, dwelt among us. We love that we beheld his glory. The only begotten of the Father, here it is, full of what? Grace, grace and truth. Jesus came full of grace. Jesus is the grace container. He's the great, he's the shipment, the great shipment container of grace that came. Mm-hmm. Okay, in him came all the grace. It, it, it made grace available to us and open, gives us open and free access to the grace of God. He is the grace container. But he doesn't, he's not done in case we've missed it. Now jump, jump to verse 16. And of his fullness, this is a poetic, kind of hard to translate phrase, but it's good. And of his fullness, we have all received and grace for grace. Now that's the New King James trying to reach for a literal rhythm there. Of his fullness, what's he full of? Grace. Oh, so good. Oh, it's wonderful. What's he full of? Grace. Ah, so he's the grace container. So we open up the grace container. Whoa, we should tape that down. Okay, we open up the grace container. They thought about it. I said, Does, they don't need to. What am I going to do? Step on a heart and fall over? Maybe. Uh, we open up the container of grace, and what have we received? Grace, but is that what it says? We've received grace. What, what, what does it say? What is your Bible? My Bible, the, the New King James, grace for grace. Oh, I love everybody yelling at once. What's your Bible say, Mary? Grace upon grace. Anybody else have something different? Huh? We have your fullness. Oh, that's very good. And fullness is good because we have received fullness. But what's the deal? What do you mean grace for grace? Grace upon grace. What does that mean? Never ending, of course it means. But one guy, Yancey, I think wrote it back in the day. Is that right, Yancey? He said this is what it could, and I think he wrote it, and if not, it was the other fellow who writes things. (laughs) (laughs) It was an author uh, who wrote things in the 90s. And uh, and this is the picture. This is the, if you could say, well, how can we translate it? How many of you have ever gone to the coast or seen the ocean? So when you're standing on the shore, right, on the sand, 
and the, and the water's coming at you, what's the water doing? The water comes, but then what comes like, water comes at you, but then what's coming on top of the water behind it? More water. So the water's doing this. The water's doing this. The tide is coming at you like this water over water over water over water. It's all water, but it's water over water. Water upon water. Water for water. When we, in the person of Jesus, we are standing on the shoreline of grace. And his grace is coming toward us like the tides over and over. And as soon as one breath of grace comes, immediately upon it comes more grace. Grace upon grace. So I realize, we, I realize our, our wonderful, you know, Paul and our wonderful Martin and, and our Reformed German friends, you know, by grace we were saved through faith. And that's wonderful and we should all say it over and over again. But we'll get to it and it'll be wonderful. But if I can say there's a problem with the great doctrine, is that funny to say? Is it, it makes it sound like by grace I was saved. Meaning I have experienced grace singularly at a point in my life back then. And that is not how grace works. It is how grace works, but it's not how grace works. I did experience grace back then, but I stood on the shores of his grace. And, in, in the, and because I have come to Jesus, the great container, now the tide of grace of God's goodwill toward me, upon me, and working through me by the Holy Spirit, because of Jesus, that grace is continuing to flow in my life. And if we can press it further, you could no more hold back his grace than you could the tide. So we might as well just abandon ourselves to grace and let his grace have his way in our life. That's a good place to stop, but we have so much more time. But there is more. Now, that's just the book of John. Um, uh, it's 8-8. Eight, eight. I, I do wonder. I think we will. Because we're going to, we, we, from now, now we're going to go in the book. Oh, wait. Nope. We'll go to the book of Acts. And we'll just do a couple of verses. And I'm going to mark up my Bible. Okay? And I want to, because I, I have a place that I want to stop. All right? So the book of Acts. Now we're back to the author. Who's the author of the book of Acts? Luke. So Luke, Luke. If you, it's fun, fun, fun thing to say. Luke is a big fan of grace and uses it a lot. Our English Bible is translated all kinds of ways, but he's a big fan of this word. So once again, and Luke's narratives, here's a little another, you want some more hermeneutical fun? Whatever Luke's going to tell us in his story, he's going to, he's going to the, 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 the prologue, the beginning, the, the, what we would call chapters one and two, is basically going to set up the rest of the story. And furthermore, uh, the beginnings of Jesus' life and the beginnings of the life of the church kind of are uh, similar. So what did we hear about Jesus in his early life? What was on him? Great. He, and he increased with? And there was great on him, right? Oh, that's interesting. So Jesus says, <laughs> Amazing. Come on. Well, you, maybe you don't know yet, but I'll tell you. So Jesus is described as, oh, he's growing in grace and there's great grace. As, as long as he grows in grace and there's great grace on him. Well, that's fantastic. Let's look at just these. Just look at two verses. 247. 
This is Luke now describing the church post-Pentecost, birthed by the Spirit. And of course, do, you, do I need to tell you that Jesus is also birthed? Remember, what is conceived is her is of the... Okay, all right. So here it is, 247. Where am I? There it is. Two, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having... Right, that's right. Favor, yes, but grace. Having grace with all the people, and the Lord added daily to the church. So the church is, so they're experiencing favor upon them, just like Jesus did, right? Oh, that's wonderful. But now, here we go, chapter four. Here we go. There he goes. Um, this is after they had prayed. Well, verse 31, they had prayed and they, they, they assembled together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke the word of God with boldness. The multitude heard one heart and, and they, they did all these wonderful things. Okay, yada, yada, yada. Here it is, verse 33. Luke is describing the church. And with great power, that's mega dunamis, okay? That's what it is, mega dunamis. And with mega dunamis, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And, somebody say and. What do you see there? Mega charis. Great grace was upon them. This is so, he's, and he's describing this healthy, thriving, effective, peaceful, powerful, evangelistic, unified, fellowshipping, eating together, loving each other, worshiping God, having favor with the outside, miracles happening. They're telling people about the resurrection of Jesus. And the great summary statement is, all of this is happening. How does Luke summarize it? Great grace is upon them all. Is there anything more that we would set our, any other direction we might wanna set our hearts tonight than to say, Lord, let us be people who abandon ourselves, Lord, grace to us. Let, Lord, we ask for grace. We know it's his idea. We know he has it for us. And we know he has a lot of it. And we know it's really good for us. Amen? Where are you, Toss? Are you close? Are you around? Did he leave me? Come back to those beautiful keys. And let's just take a few moments. Not begging, pleading, navel-gazing. That's not how grace works. Grace comes through asking and thanking. Okay? So just begin to ask the Lord and thank him and even just say, Lord, just, Lord, we just ask for, just think about it. Grace for my marriage, for my family, for my kids. Think about the things that, you, that we would love the grace of God just to cover in our life. And I, I encourage you to, to do it beyond just total silence. Even if it's a whispered murmur, it, it's better than just letting your mind wander. Tashi's gonna play kind of robustly enough so that you don't feel too self-conscious. But let's just take, this is gonna be harder than you think, but at least two full minutes and wait upon the Lord with gratitude, asking him for grace in your life.
Father, tonight we thank you. We thank you. We thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. We ask, Lord, because your word says that you'll give us good, we ask. We ask, Lord, for your grace toward us. Psalm 67 says, Lord, be gracious to us. Be gracious to us, Lord. We ask that you would be gracious toward us. And we ask, Lord, for your grace to have powerful effect upon us. May we be affected by, touched by your grace. I pray that your grace would touch our physical bodies tonight, that there'd be peace, just because you're so kind, so gracious, Lord. Touch physical bodies, our, where we are infirm or where, where we ache, where we're carrying pains. We just ask for your grace to come. Where our soul is burdened or wearied, where our mind is busied with care, where anxiety has oh, sought to rob us of an awareness of grace. Let your grace come tonight. <laughs> I pray you begin to feel the warm weight of grace in your life. Let your grace come upon us, Lord. Lord, we, as we yield to that holy influence, we pray, Lord, that your grace would flow through us. <laughs> that there would be such a goodness that comes out of us. Such a goodness, such a gentleness, such a joy, such a gratitude. Lord, that we would be like the Most High, we would be grace givers. As the tide of your grace runs over our life, let us not be a seawall that resists it. Let us become tributaries of the grace of God to our world. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. In Jesus' wonderful name, Everyone said amen. Amen. All right. Well, grace to you. Grace to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you, friends. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your week. We hope to see you as we gather again, both to remember and to comfort and to worship together. God bless you. Say hi to somebody. Warm up your coffee. Your kids are going to be waiting for you, and they're probably almost done in the marriage workshop. Thanks. Thanks, Toss. <laughs>